Hi, my name is George Leach. You're listening to 101.7 FM CHLY. This is Pavlina, host of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Join me every Wednesday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. for news from Ukraine, great Ukrainian music, folklore, and factoids for the culturally curious. Here on CHLY 101.7 FM. Zelenuke polju bolne, tašto muhe zelenuke polju bolne. 
Hey, That was that was Kalabai from Edmonton, Alberta, from a CD called Kolomeka Casualties and a song called Komarek, and that is called The Mosquito's Wedding, an unlikely union between a mosquito and a fly. Some uh, undercurrents there that have nothing to do with insects. Again, that was Kalabai from Edmonton with Komarek. Dobry den, Shinovni Radio Sukhachita, Vitayevas, Psych, Na Radio Peridachu, Nash Holos, Radio Krinskoho, Korinya. Yakapodias, Yvams, Yohani, Takaki, Kojni, Serides, Odenatsutoi, Dutinatsutoi, Hodena, Nachveli, CHLY, Odenu, Odensim, FM, Umisti, Nanaimo. Premikrifoni, Pavlina, Diako, Yustori, Shole, Perebutezimnoyu, Nastupnik, Vohoden, Memamu, Dujat, Sikavina, Venenas, Yunishni, Prozami, Ichudovu, Krinsku, Muziku. Hello there and welcome to Nasholus Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you from the live studios of CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo. I'm your host Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a great program lined up for you. A Ukrainian recipe coming up as well as news and commentary and a special look at the summer solstice known in Ukrainian as Ivana Kupala. So all of that coming up as well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest and great Ukrainian music and coming up Next is a group from Ukraine called Jedala, and here they are with a medley of Ukrainian folk songs. Chica 
coração, de coração, o mancado sol. Oi, pronta lá de irse na curva, tá com fui lá com essa corilha, olha o olho da curva, o pilão, na yoga vir, olha o pilão, olha o da curva, o pilão, na yoga vir, olha o pilão, olha o polícia, na bola. Oi, o with Sylvia Molnar. Tips for Ukrainian cooking. Hello. Hrustike are delicious, dainty, crisp fried pastries that look like little branches covered with snow. They are irresistible treats. The dough can be made into very beautiful Ukrainian roses as well. And this has to be the most beautiful cookie in the world. This fancy version of hrustike takes some patience and time, but the rewards are worth it. My mom used to make roses for us, as well as the plain ones. They were so beautiful. Just looking at them was a great joy. They do make a gorgeous centerpiece at any festive table. They are, I believe, a symbol of love. You'll need the following for egg yolks, two tablespoons sugar, two tablespoons sour cream, full fat, that's 14%, one tablespoon rum or brandy, one and a half cups flour, one quarter teaspoon salt. Beat the yolks until fluffy. Slowly beat in the sugar. Blend in all the other ingredients. Knead until smooth. Roll the dough on a lightly floured surface until very thin. Cut into parallel stripes about one to one and a half inches wide. Then cut on the diagonal into three inch diamond shapes. 
Cut slits into the center of each diamond. Pull one corner and fold back through the slit. Fry in hot oil 375 degrees Fahrenheit just until a light golden. A few seconds. Do not overcrowd. Fry only a few at a time so they won't burn. Drain on paper towels, sprinkle with powdered sugar or a mixture of vanilla sugar and powdered sugar sifted from a sieve. They are delicate, so handle carefully. Store in a box or tin with wax paper between the layers. The rum or brandy keeps the rustica from absorbing excess oil. The dough can be made two to three days ahead, covered in wax paper and stored in the refrigerator. Just bring the dough out and bring to room temperature before rolling paper thin. Now for the ultimate cookie, the Ukrainian rose. Method one. To the rolled dough, cut into circles with three graduated circle cookie cutters or three sizes of glasses. Cut five slits around the edges of each circle. Stack three different sizes of circles small, medium, and large, staggering them so not to line up the five slits. Put a dot of beaten egg white in the center of the bottom two circles to help hold them together. Press in the center with the end of the handle of a wooden spoon or a knitting needle. Method two. You'll need... Star-shaped cookie cutters in three graduated sizes. Stack together as above for the circles, staggering the points of the stars. Fry and drain as for the regular hrustike. Cool and dust with icing sugar. Place a dab of rose petal preserves, strawberry, cherry, or raspberry, or a small piece of candied cherry in the center. That's it. Try it. It's Ukrainian. This has been Ukrainian Food Flare from the Nasholos Audio Archives. Слухайте радіопрограму «Наш голос» радіо українського коріння, котра подається вам на хвилі CHLY 1017 FM у місті Нанаймо. Говорить Павліна. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio, broadcasting live at CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo. I'm your host, Павліна.
some great local talent for you there. That was Ruta Yauni, singer, bandurist, and music therapist from her CD, Bringing in the Light. And this sort of a celebrating the seasons kind of CD. And uh, this was a song that... Um, it straddles spring and summer because it is definitely a kupala type of song. It is called Marena and uh, is one, another one of those fertility rituals. Predates Christianity quite a bit and um, a song that usually you only hear right about this time of year. That again was Ruta Yauni from Vancouver and Marena from her CD Bringing in the Light. Coming up next is another local group. They are Zelia, also from Vancouver, from their CD Willowbridge, and another Kupala song. And uh, stay tuned right after that. Uh, you'll hear a little explanation about what is Kupala. Kupala naivana, na- and this is Cultural Capsule, especially for Nash Wallace. I am certain that for anyone listening who lives in the Northern Hemisphere, there is one thing you've all taken notice of. The days had clearly been getting longer up until June 21st, 1716, Coordinated Universal Time. This brief moment, known as the summer solstice, has been an important part of many different cultures of the world and predates many formal religions, Though in the Christian faith, 
This date often coincides with the day of St. John the Baptist. And like many other traditional celebrations, be they of nature or fertility, they became amalgamated into the locales which had adopted the Christian faith. This was no different in Ukraine, though they were not met without resistance by neither clerics or secular leaders. In fact, in 1719, Hekman Ivan Skoropadsky issued a decree categorically forbidding the celebration, while the Soviets used the traditional holiday to devise what to this day in Ukraine is called Deng Molodi, the Day of Youth, and falls on the last Sunday in June. Before the collapse of the Soviet Union, what else could it be called but the Day of Soviet Youth? After my first personal experience of the holiday on the River Prut in Kolomea in 1990, I attended many other celebrations in Ukraine, some in Kiev, on its outskirts, and often with different groups of friends. Each of these entailed some of their own vestiges of the ancient traditions, which included jumping over fires, the floating of woven wreaths by young women, bathing, or skinny dipping, as some would call it, as well as games of frivolity and the singing of songs full of sexual connotation. From my personal experience, how was done in good taste, and for the most part, unless you could adeptly read between the lines of some of those traditional songs, you would never understand the sexual connotation. As many of those traditions were being rejuvenated during the early 1990s in Ukraine, they are also being celebrated as part of rejuvenation in many centers of the world where Ukrainians have settled. The movement of our Earth around the Sun is something that will continue, and may the traditions which are associated with the summer solstice bring joy into the lives of not only Ukrainians, but all of us fine people on the face of this planet. I'm Vasyl Lovsky, and this week's cultural capsule for Nash Holos featured the traditional holiday of Ivana Kupala.
band, a popular jazz group from Ukraine called Chocolat, which translates into English as chocolate. And uh, their jazz version arrangement of a traditional Kupala song that predates not only jazz, but um, many other eras, goes back a long, long, long time. Vesukite Radio Pridachu Nash Holos, Radio Krinsko Hokorinya, Naradio Stansi, CHLY, Denula Densim FM, Umisti Nanaimo, Hovarit Pavlina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina. One more Kupala song to wrap up this set, and this is a group from Poland called Kubza, and uh, another Kupala song, basically all named the same thing, Naivana Kupala.
the latest news stories from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine's first international English news channel, Ukraine Today. No local elections are possible in the militant occupied areas in Donbass unless security is restored. That's according to Ivan Simonovich, United Nations Assistant Secretary General for Human Rights, who on Friday presented a UN report on Eastern Ukraine. The UN official insisted the freedom of expression and gathering must be provided in the separatist held territories. Simonovich added over 9,400 people have died since the hostilities started in April 20. With more than 21,000 people wounded. Ukrainian prisoners recently released from Russia are now returning home after treatment in hospital. Both Soloshenko and Afanasyev had to receive medical attention upon coming back to Ukraine. Soloshenko says he will first visit his relatives in Poltava. He also promises to do all in his power to get all of the Ukrainians falsely imprisoned in Russia freed. Afanasyev wants to stay in Kyiv, since he cannot return to the Russian-occupied Crimea. The two Ukrainians were exchanged this Tuesday for two separatist instigators that attempted to stop the so-called People's Government in Odessa. The plane with Hennady Afanasyev and Yuri Soloshenko on board landed in Ukraine's capital at the Boryspil airport in a special zone on 14th of June. Both Ukrainians were immediately sent to the hospital. Hennady Afanasyev was captured in Russia-occupied Crimea two years ago. He reports of having been tortured and forced to witness in the case against Ukrainians Oleg Sentsov and Oleksandr Kolchenko. On having refused, Hennady was himself accused of conspiring to commit terrorism in Russia and sentenced to seven years years behind bars. 73-year-old Yuri Soloshenko, a former director of Poltava-based defense plant Znamya, was arrested in Moscow and later accused of purchasing goods for constructing anti-aircraft warfare for the Ukrainian army. Russian court sentenced him to six years in high-security prison. Both Ukrainians were exchanged for two pro-Russian supporters, Olena Hlyshchinska and Valery Didenko, involved in the tragic events that occurred in Odessa on the 2nd of May 2014. This is when their story started. Russia failed to develop the separatist movement Kulikova Pole, launching instead a new project named People's Council of Bessarabia. Its top management is situated in Moscow, headed by the Kremlin official Inal Ardzimba. Recruited by Russian Secret Service, local Odessa journalist Olena Hlyshchinska was supposed to organize informational support for the newly established separatist wing. Lushinska was responsible for organizing the first gathering of the People's Council of Bessarabia. By that time, we had already known their goals and were strictly controlling their deeds, following every step. Both Hlyshchinska and Didenko were arrested after the first meeting. A video recorded earlier shows the organizers paying money for the actors supposed to launch a mass crowd, seemingly willing to separate from Ukrainian state. After arriving in Moscow, Hlyshchinska confirms to have been an activist of People's Council of Bessarabia, though claiming it was a cultural project. We were arrested as the participants of People's Council of Bessarabia. This is national cultural movement, having nothing in common with politics. 
politics. However, the authorities chose to call it a separatist movement since we didn't follow their official vector. Recruited by Kremlin, the local activists were supported to capture the main state buildings during the state holidays on 2nd and 9th of May. In order to prevent Kyiv from military assistance, the terrorists were going to damage two main bridges uniting the region of Bessarabia with the rest of Ukraine. Kremlin military help was anticipated to arrive from pro-Russian self-proclaimed Transnistria and neighboring autonomous Gagauzia. Though having failed to launch one more separatist unit in southern Ukraine, Russia is currently preoccupied with another idea, that is promoting the status of Porto Franco for Odessa, meaning free port and free economic zone for the city. It's no secret that Russia is beefing up its presence along the Ukrainian border. A strategic point on the Kremlin's potential trail of destruction is Belarus. A small town of Klintsi near Belarusian border is being revamped as a military hub with upgraded infrastructure. Klintsi is allegedly serving as a home for a Russian military unit. This has caused quite a scandal in Belarus. The military barracks were officially closed in 2011. However, without any official commentary, nearly 300 soldiers from Yekaterinburg, Russia, have arrived here. Klinti is about five hours away from the Belarusian capital of Minsk. The distance is virtually the same to Kiev. The Russia's ambassador to Belarus is adamant Ukraine is the one everyone is in fear of. What does Belarus have to do with this? I don't understand. It seems that with the Minsk deal, radicalism is on the rise in Ukraine. These are preventive measures. Ukraine's military intelligence is quick to dispute that. The spokesman for the intelligence department at the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine thinks there will be more than three divisions sent in and around Ukraine's borders. The revamping of infrastructure that was there before the destruction of the army and was for the tank brigades from southern Russia. Skibitsky also underlines that thousands of these soldiers have actual combat knowledge. He mentioned incidents where Russian soldiers say they are wearing the same uniform they did while in Donbass. Ukraine wants an explanation from the UN General Secretary. All due to Ban Ki-moon's recent controversial comments during a forum in St. Petersburg. In his speech, the UN General Secretary stated that Russia has a critical role to play in addressing pressing global issues, from ending the conflicts in Ukraine and Syria to safeguarding human rights and controlling the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. The statement immediately drew a lot of criticism from the Ukrainian side. The government issued a letter asking for clarification, while the UN spokesperson responded urging everyone to read the entire transcript of Ban Ki-moon's address. The Ukrainian delegation in the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe is indignant with the report of Torbjorn Jagland, the OSCE Secretary-General. The document supposed to drop a light shed at the human rights violation in the Russia-occupied regions does not contain a single word of Russia's crimes in the occupied Crimea. Recently freed from Russian jail, Ukrainian pilot Nadia Savchenko insisted the problems of the Crimean Tatars should be considered as well, taken into 
account, the observers have no access to the peninsula. This is her first trip abroad after releasing from Russian jail. The Parliamentary Assembly President Pedro Agramund greeted Savchenko's release, along with the extradition of other two prisoners, Hennady Afanasyev and Yuri Soloshenko, to Ukraine. Savchenko called on Europe to stay united in support of Ukraine that pays for the peace in other countries with the lives of its citizens. Russia wanted me to be here only in 22 years. It was you all wanting to see me earlier and did your best to make it possible. I am happy to be with you now. Currently, Ukraine is standing at the front line. The peace of the whole Europe is estimated through the lives of Ukrainian citizens. I call you all to support us in this effort with your tough, consistent and clear position. Ukraine is passionately awaiting the decision of the Pan-Orthodox Council currently being held on the Greek island of Crete. Earlier, Ukraine's parliament of Verkhovna Rada officially addressed His Old Holiness Bartholomew I, the Archbishop of Constantinople, New Rome, and Ecumenical Patriarch, to grant autocephaly to the Orthodox Church in Ukraine that is currently subordinate to Moscow's Patriarchate. The deputies asked to recognize the Act of 1686, according to which the Kiev Metropolitan was allegedly attached to the Moscow's Patriarchate. The unique gathering of Eastern Orthodox Christianity churches started on June 19th, after a thousand-year break. Nearly a century ago, the representatives of the confession started negotiations of a new pan-Orthodox gathering, full of scandals and intrigues, mixed with preparations hindered by wars, Soviet cadence and internal manipulations. The preparations for this event began in 1961 with an aim to deal with the problems within the Orthodox Christianity. The political issues are seemingly prior to religion. Religious dissidents claim their believers are willing to switch to the Kyiv Patriarchate. In view of the demand of Patriarch of Moscow and all rules, the issue of Ukraine's autocephaly is out of agenda. Patriarch Bartholomew satisfies Russia's request in order to make the gathering happen. At a first glance, this means a total loss for the long-lasting Ukraine's struggle for church independence. In November 2015, Turkey downs the Russian fighter jet after it's violating the Turkish airspace near the Syrian border. Patriarch Kirill immediately refuses to visit Istanbul, previously supposed to host the pan-Orthodox gathering. Russia's conditions are met again, and the place of meeting is transferred to the Greek island of Crete instead of traditional Constantinople. The map reflects the territories embraced by Orthodox belief. Eastern Christianity branch encompasses the globe from Balkans in the west to the Kuril Islands in the east and from the Solovetsky Islands in the north of Africa and Middle East region in the south. Fourteen Orthodox churches are officially recognized. The most influential are the Patriarchates of Constantinople and Moscow. Numerous religious philosophers and theologists allege these two are the main players of the global church map, whereas the rest are subordinate to them. Here is the first group with its core center of Constantinople Patriarchate. It is supported by the churches of Alexandria, Jerusalem, Cyprus, Albania and Czechia. The latter has recently got rid of Russian influence. All the churches listed are known as open and democratic, despite having a long history dating back to the Middle Ages. Currently, the authorities have no territorial pretensions, being instead open to the dialogue. The center of the second group is Moscow Patriarchate, including additionally Bulgarian, Serbian and Polish churches. Though being wholly totalitarian and rigid in administrative methods, this branch has the biggest number of 
of the followers. The third group includes the Greek Orthodox Church of Antioch, centered in Syria, Georgian and Romanian patriarchates. All the aforementioned churches differ a lot and are allegedly quite unpredictable, holding various geopolitical vectors. The Greek Orthodox Church of Antioch is seemingly pro-Russian but exists mainly on the financial donations from the U.S. The priests of the Romanian Church studied mainly in Europe, which is why the Romanian Orthodox Church managed to free from Russian dictate. The total number of Christians estimates more than 2 billion believers, half of them belonging to the Rome Catholic Church. 800 million more follow the Protestant religion. The Orthodox believers are said to count approximately 200 million. Have a look at this map. The centers of Orthodox patriarchates are situated in Moscow, Warsaw, Belgrade, Bucharest, Athens, Constantinople, Jerusalem, Damascus and Tbilisi. They all together form a circle with Ukraine in the middle. And Russia fears to lose this territory of influence. Just a couple of days before the gathering, the patriarchates of Georgia, Antioch and Bulgaria refused to fly to Greece, whereas Russia and Serbia demand the meeting must be postponed. This pan-Orthodox gathering has already demonstrated the vivid split between East and West, both struggling for Ukraine to be on its side. On Tuesday, June the 21st, Ukrainian football team is set to encounter Poland in the group stage of European Football Championship. Regardless of the result, it will be a final match for the Ukrainians, since after two losses to Germany and Northern Ireland, no chances to progress to the playoff league are left. Polish team in turn is set to guarantee progression to the knockout stage if they avoid defeat. Ukraine's head coach Mikhailo Fomenko already declared his kit in the position after the final group match. 67-year-old coach has been in charge of the national team since 2012, but was not offered an extension to his contract after disappointing results of Euro 2016 for Ukraine. Lineups continue to grow at the Ukrainian-Polish border. Nearly 2,000 cars are stuck at eight crossings. People say the situation is quite frustrating, especially at the Krakowice Customs Office, with about 400 vehicles in line. The officials say the long wait times are to blame for a slow-motion strike. Polish Border Patrol officers are working but taking their time when processing requests. They are protesting over reforms that will put border guards under the leadership of the tax and revenue agency. Sweden-Ukraine Business Forum 2016 has gathered business communities of both countries for the fifth time. The leading topic of this year's forum is innovations and innovative solutions. During panel discussions, top-level officials and experts from Ukraine and Sweden talked about the growth and mutual trade and what kinds of reforms should be carried out to enhance the two-way cooperation. In particular, panelists shared their vision of judicial and tax reforms that must be made by the Ukrainian government, as well as innovations and innovative solutions for Ukraine during a transition period. Growing Ukrainian economy through attracting Swedish investments and what we need to do when it comes to uh, expanding our trade relations. The silver bullet for all of that is very much to see progress when it comes to rule of law and when it comes to judicial reforms. Swedish companies demonstrated successful developments on the market. In the framework of the forum, their representatives in Ukraine held a specialized meeting where they suggested direct innovative ways of working. The head of Ericsson Ukraine, Wojciech Bajda, told about the model of metering system already tested in other countries that could save money for utilities companies. Households around Ukraine would also be provided with 
better services. Metering checks can be performed remotely if meters operate as mobile devices. Subsequently, no need for manual checking. So we started to extend the system and added this uh, intelligence and this data collection and data analytics. And nowadays we have uh, this kind of solutions implemented not only in Estonia but also in Italy. Smart matter itself is maybe not very expensive, but then this smart matter has to have a kind of uh, central uh, solution to report all this data and someone has to read the data. One of Swedish companies actively working on the Ukrainian market is Electrolux. It has already expanded its activity in the country by building a factory in Ivano-Frankivsk region. The company's agenda for Ukraine is promising. In terms of uh, agenda of Electrolux, I must say that uh, we have one agenda which is talking about sustainability, effectiveness and uh, uh, driven for result for consumer inside. Ukraine still has many challenges to cope with, but such meetings prove that Kyiv can rely on strong partners like Sweden to reform the country, adapting the latest innovative approaches in business and daily life. The best canine control officers in Ukraine are competing in the southern Ukrainian city of Kherson this week. These animals are all currently a part of the customs protection operations. Most of them have been in service over a year, and some are even close to retirement age. The four-legged border guards show off their skills in several different events during the competition. One of the tasks here is to find bullets hidden somewhere in the container. Another test for the competitors is to find a grenade. That's no easy task where there are plenty of other objects around. Despite having to spend some time searching for the dangerous weapon, all of the dogs are able to locate it in a timely manner. But there is a trick here. The head of the canine unit at the Regional Customs Office of Ukraine says it's important the dogs do not touch the grenade. There should be no contact, meaning the dog needs to either lay or sit down beside the grenade or bark to warn someone. Other tasks include finding guns and explosives. All of these canine unit professionals easily found them. Canine border guards usually work for about eight years. Then they retire. Although there are some cases where dogs remain in service, past retirement age. These dogs have seen everything, from all types of guns to pills with narcotics in them, and they all managed to be located thanks to their amazing skills. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Ukraine News Roundup for this edition of Nasholas Ukrainian Roots Radio. To hear more news from Ukraine today, check all of this week's editions of Nasholos at www.nasholos.com. And for their full roster of breaking stories, as well as interviews, press reviews, and in-depth analysis on Ukraine, follow Ukraine Today on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and their live blog, uatoday.tv.
Steinbeck, Manitoba. That was the By Request Band from their CD, Ukrainian Boys Gone Wild. That was Vern's Waltz. Vysluchajte radio peredaču naš holos radio Krinskoho Korinja na radio stanci CHLY den Sim FM umisti nenajmo. Pre mikrofoni Pavlina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina. We'll be back with Hour 2 after these messages. CHLY 101.7 FM, Vancouver Island. St. Mary the Protectress Ukrainian Orthodox Parish invites you to join them for church services Saturdays at 4 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. Stock up on homemade pierogies and pies and enjoy their monthly pierogi suppers. St. Mary's Ukrainian Orthodox Parish, 594 Carlsway in Parksville. Embrace the Ukrainian culture, music, food, and dancing at the 51st Annual Canada's National Ukrainian Festival, July 29th to 31st, Dauphin, Manitoba. Purchase your weekend pass right now for only $95. If you wait, you'll pay more at the gates. Day passes and camping passes also available. Call toll-free 1-877-474-2683. For more info, visit cnuf.ca and like CNUF on Facebook. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.